0: If you have your uh, Bibles or Bible apps, uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. It's that uh, time of year where most churches focus on the early days of Jesus, and, they, and they, we, we celebrate and remember that God came to live with humanity and to save us from our sin, save us from death, and to give us new life in Him. And every year, specifically focus in and narrow in on the baby Jesus. But it's interesting because the gospel writers write very little about the early years of Jesus. Very fascinating. In fact, about one-third of the gospel writers focus on the final week of Jesus' life on earth and yet only spend a few chapters, a few verses in what we might call the infancy narrative. And uh, when I began to prepare for today's sermon, um, I thought I could pack everything together uh, on Jesus' early days. I thought that I could easily write a sermon that tracks the life of Jesus in just the first couple weeks and in, in years. And uh, I was completely wrong. This week, as I reread the infancy narrative, I was just amazed at how much information and detail is just, is just packed into these, these few chapters. And just because there's not a lot of, of things to read and to, to study Jesus' time in his mother's womb, Jesus' time as, as in his birth and as a, as a young boy are, are critical parts to the story. And so today we're going to focus on the early days of Jesus, and we, we get to gain a deeper understanding of Jesus and his earthly ministry. Today we're going to focus and unpack and reflect on a part of the infancy narrative. And again, there's not a lot to read. But the gospel writer, and specifically Luke, who we'll read from this morning, gives us exactly what we need to know about Jesus, the Son of God. If you recall and you were here last week, if you missed it, we'd really encourage you to watch it online. We have our sermons recorded. But Pastor Jared reminded us, he reminded us that when we open from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we open the New Testament, that it's been 400 years since the people of Israel had a prophet a mouthpiece, a spokesman from, from God. 400 years of waiting and silence, 400 years without, without any new revelation from God. And so Jared allowed us to kind of sit in that waiting. What might the people be processing and thinking through? And today we just kind of come to the text and we say that the wait is over. God will send one final prophet, John the Baptist, to speak on God's behalf And John would prepare the way for the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah. But first, God speaks through his messenger, the the angel Gabriel, who brought good news to two families. Last week, we saw that Gabriel spoke to Zechariah and told him that his wife, Elizabeth, in her old age, would give birth to a son. And John the Baptist, he would be named. John would be the first prophet to be called by God since 400 years earlier in the time of Malachi. John would bring clarity to God's plan of salvation for the world. He would prepare the way for the coming Messiah. So that's what we focused on last week. And then today, we see that Gabriel speaks to Mary. And then later on, he speaks to her future husband, Joseph, and tells them good news of a Savior that will be born. And it's wild to, to imagine. I want us to really use our imagination and to really sit um, in the shoes of Mary or in the sandals of Mary, it's weird, to, it's crazy to think that these soon-to-be parents will be taking care of the most significant person in all of human history, the one who changed human history. And there is no greater purpose. Today, we're going to be taking a look at the arrival of the king. The wait is finally over. Last week, we focused on Zachariah's encounter with an angel at the temple in Jerusalem and today we're taking northward towards Galilee a small city called Nazareth the hometown of Joseph and his future wife Mary and the same angel that that visits and announces the birth of John the Baptist to Zechariah now announces the birth of Jesus to Mary so here's where we're going for this morning Mary is visited by an angel. It's the first thing we'll take a look at. And the second thing we're going to take a look at is Mary visits Elizabeth and praises God. First, Mary is visited by an angel. Second, Mary visits Elizabeth and praises God. But before we dive in, I just would really love to allow us to kind of pray and um, get ready for um, what God is going to teach us through, through his text today. So let's pray together. Lord, Lord, we pause sometimes, and it's not just before we... We, uh, we dive into your word, um, we just want to pause and just reflect. Prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, Lord. Even as I prepared this sermon, Lord, you're still teaching me through it as I, as I read this text, Lord. For many of us, the story is so familiar. It's just white noise. And uh, Lord, allow us to really see clarity of who your son Jesus is, what we're called to do, and, Lord, I pray that you will speak to us. And, Lord, at the end of this message, I pray that anybody here that does not know your son, Jesus, may today be the day where they can find salvation and true hope. We love you. We thank you. And we read your word now. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're picking up the story in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. We read about the encounter between Mary and this angel who is named Gabriel. And before we read this text, I want us to be thinking through this question. What did Mary begin to realize as the angel Gabriel spoke to her? What did Mary begin to realize as the the angel Gabriel spoke to her? What did she know to be true as she was hearing this word spoken to her? Follow with me. In Luke 1, 26, it says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a woman betrothed to a man who was named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he, the angel, came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But Mary was greatly troubled at this saying and trying to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. The question is, what did Mary begin to realize as Gabriel, this angel, spoke to her? As you can imagine, Mary's heart was probably pounding. She was nervous and, and curious and mixed emotions of this unexpected messenger. And she's trying to understand, she's trying to process. In this passage, we see a few things that Mary, that Mary knows. And the first is this, Mary was greeted with high praise. First, Mary was greeted with high praise. One author writes this, Mary was a young unmarried woman with no social status. Neither the title favored one, nor the promise, the Lord is with you, was a traditional greeting, even if it had been a person of status, which Mary was not. This was not your typical greeting. This was, this is a very special greeting, a -a one-of-a-kind greeting, a greeting that no one will ever have, and no one has had but Mary when she hears this. And the first thing she hears is greeting, O favored one. She knew this greeting was of high praise. And the second part is that Mary knew that the Lord was with her because Gabriel told her, the Lord is with you. But Mary, rightfully so, she was, she was unsettled by this unusual appearance and this greeting of an angel. And it's, it's interesting to think that only a few angels are actually named. So if I was teaching like kid's church, it's like, this is, this is super angel. This is like... This is the the angel that's named, Gabriel. And uh, so this is a, a really amazing thing. Verse 29, she, Mary, was greatly troubled at the saying, and she was trying to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. First, Mary knew that she was greeted with high praise. Second, Mary knew that the Lord was with her. Third, Mary knew that she found favor with God. How does she know these things? Because the angel clearly in the text tells her. Fourth, Mary knew that she was a recipient of God's grace. She was a recipient of God's grace. Sorry for the buzz on that. Is that annoying for you guys? Luke continues uh, to write. He says this in verse 32, he, Jesus, was, will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And so we see here that while Elizabeth and, and, and Zechariah, with their son John the Baptist, he will be called the prophet of the Most High, But Mary and Joseph's son, who will be called the Son of the Most High, the successor of David's throne. The fifth thing we learn here is that Mary knew her son would be called the Son of the Most High. And lastly, it's kind of jam packed together. Mary knew that her son's reign would reign forever and that his kingdom would have no end. And just think about that. Like when I was young and thinking just about like eternity, it just goes on forever, forever. Like, like God's kingdom goes on forever. There's, there's no end to this. We are part of something that is eternal, everlasting, ever-changing. Mary knew these things because the angel Gabriel told her. And so I was like wrestling through this text again. On, on a cognitive level, I believe Mary understood these things that were spoken to her. On a cognitive level, I believe she did. But on an emotional level, I can see Mary, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, I can see Mary treasuring up these things in her heart. A good example might be when I, when I first had my first child. I have three of them. Little blonde-haired kids running around. If you haven't met them, say hi. Give them a high five. They would love that. And if you have an extra donut, so they would love that too. Um, <laughs> but I remember when my, when my daughter, Cooper, was born. And uh, we, Amanda and I, we didn't know the, the gender of our, of our kids. So we just waited until they were born. And people were like, you're crazy. How do you, like, how do you prepare for things? And I'm like, I kind of don't want to know. Because if it's a girl, like, everybody's going to buy me a bunch of pink stuff. And like my house is just going to be turned into a princess land. And so when Cooper was born and, and the doctor just kind of held her up and, and she, goes, she goes, it's a girl. And the first thing I, I, I thought of on a cognitive level, I was just like, it's a girl. And then all of a sudden, what did I say right after that? I said, it's a girl. I knew it here, but then all of a sudden it, it reached to my heart and my very being. And so Mary, just imagine being in her shoes. Imagine what she's, what she's thinking through. It's a boy. All these things that Gabriel spoke to her, and all of a sudden, it's a baby boy, the Messiah. Mary treasured up these truths. She had a very powerful experience that we can only imagine. God chose Mary to be the mother of the chosen one. And so in summary, what we learned so far is that, is that Mary knew several things from Gabriel, which is from God. The sent one is as sender. She was greeted with high praise. The Lord was with her. She was favored. She was a recipient of God's grace. Her son would be called the son of the Most High, in the Lion of David. He would reign forever, and his kingdom would have no end. You can see how I couldn't get a whole sermon of Jesus' life. It's not easy just going, Jesus in the belly, Jesus birth, Jesus as a boy. There's so much jam-packed into these few, few chapters. So the angel Gabriel visited, visibly visited Mary and visibly declared that Mary, through Jesus, that Jesus would be the final fulfillment of God's promises. And this is what Mary knew to be true, but as we see and continue in the text, she had one question. We know what that question is. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and therefore the child will be born and called Holy, the Son of God. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, the great miracle of Mary's pregnancy and the birth of her son would take place and this baby boy would be called Holy and the Son of God. And then the, the, the angel provides some evidence that we see here. Verse 36 angel says, Behold, your, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month uh, with her who was called barren. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am servant of the Lord. Let, this, let it be to me according to your will. And the angel departed. I absolutely love verse 38. Verse 38 is my favorite part of studying this passage. In verse 38, Mary submits to God's plan and the new realities of her life. She says yes to God's will, even though she doesn't fully know the challenges and difficulties ahead. She is willing to worship God. Listen to the language again. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your will. Can you imagine if we lived our lives like that? On a daily basis, behold, God, I'm, I'm a servant of you. Let, let my life be according to your will. If that was just a prayer that we had every day, that would, that would greatly change the way in which we live our lives. Mary is a true example of discipleship. Mary trusts in God's promises. She said yes to God without even realizing the road ahead of her baby and for herself my wife Amanda, were talking about this this past week, and we're just thinking through, can we imagine Jesus spending his whole life with Mary, up until he was a little bit younger than I was, slowly preparing her for all the pain, slowly preparing her for all the joy that she will experience. Mary obeys God's word, even though she doesn't fully understand it, and it's a question that I want to ask us, it's a question that I've been wrestling with myself, in what areas of of our lives? Are we not believing in God and his word and his promises? In what areas of our life are we just not trusting him? We're we not applying belief to every area of our life. That's what God calls us to do. And next, the question is, do we have conditions that need to be met before we commit to God's ways and God's plans? Do we have conditions? I don't know about you, but there's, there's so many conditions that I have. Like, yeah, God, I'll, I'll do this in my life, but just here here's some some things that I'd like you to kind of smooth out along the way. Are there any conditions that we have? Are we just saying, I'm here to serve you, Lord. May it be done according to your will. I'm Melissa Burke, she posted um, a, a book that she was reading through. It's by Tim Keller. I think it's called Hidden Christmas. I bought it, haven't read it yet, but there's a really cool quote that, um, that I found um, as, I, as I just looked it up. And Tim Keller says this, if we believe the Christmas story is true, If we really believe this is true, he says, if the Son of God was really born in a manger, we have lost all right to be in charge of our lives. And I was just like, yes. It makes me want to just like dive into the book right away. If this is really true, if Jesus was born in a manger and he is the Son of God, we have have lost all right to be in charge of our lives. Someone else is in charge. Someone who wants a relationship with us and will do anything, anything to have that relationship. Mary recognized that this is true, and she willing to give up her life for it. The same God who acted with Sarah in the Old Testament, the, the same God who acted for Elizabeth in this text months early, earlier, is the same God that can still do anything, and he will. And we see that Mary had more faith in her ancestor. She didn't laugh. She didn't complain, she willingly surrendered to the Lord's plan, for nothing is impossible with God. And I often think, um, there's a great song by this guy, Chris Renzema, just, um, I don't know if you guys like listening to music, we all know like the Mary Do You Know song, but or I find I've been listening, about, listening to that, and it really allows us to, to um, go through the journey of Mary, and the journey of Joseph, and the reality of like, what is ahead? And music helps me kind of imagine a little bit the story that we find in Scripture. And so I've been listening to songs about this, and I've been reading through this the last couple of weeks, preparing for this season. And I often think what Mary had to endure in the months and the years ahead, she must have wondered what the people would think of her, and if her husband Joseph would, would still be with her, would still support her, She must have known that her plans for the future, including her wedding day, would have been altered. She must have thought about all the rumors and all the gossip that would spread in her small town. She must have known that the road ahead of her was was going to be filled with unforeseeable hardships and unforeseeable joy, including the task of raising a perfect child, and even more, the eventual pain of watching him hang on a cross. She believed that the wait was over, the hope had arrived, even though she didn't fully understand what was next. And this all began when Mary was visited by an angel. The second thing we're going to take a look at in the text is Mary visited Elizabeth and she praised God. After her encounter with the angel, Mary traveled south to the hills of uh, Judea to visit her cousin, yeah, her cousin Elizabeth. And so the two women, these, these miracle moms, they share their good news, and they, and they celebrate together, and this joyful moment prompts Mary to, to praise God with a powerful hymn that's known by generations and generations of Christians. Mary visits Elizabeth. Follow with me in verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hillside country. I'm going to have to pause there, poor woman. <laughs> she has to, after all this, she has to climb a hill to a country, to a town in, in, in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah, and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is, and why is this granted to me that the mother of the Lord should come to me? Wow. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. It's fascinating to imagine and to think about the conversations that these miracle moms had. Mary and Elizabeth were together talking, sharing. Can you imagine the awe and the wonder that they, that they felt as they shared their experiences? Very similar but extremely different. And realize the incredible things that God was doing through their boys, through the messenger, and through the Messiah. We see that the families have a lot in common. In both cases, angel Gabriel announces the birth ahead of time. He gives names to the, children, to the boys, and then he reveals their future roles in ministry. The gospel writer, he kind of weaves, its, as we read through Luke 1-2, he weaves the account of John the Baptist and Jesus and connected their lives to God's promises. But the story, have we have, our, which we've already seen, has clearly highlighted that Jesus is superior, that Jesus is more beautiful than anything we could ever hope and expect. John was the prophet of the Most High. Jesus was the son of the Most High. John was the messenger. Jesus was the Messiah. And it was during the time together that Mary and Elizabeth spent that inspired Mary to sing, to speak, to praise God through this great hymn that we read today. If you're familiar with it, awesome. If this is your first time reading it, there's a lot jam-packed into these verses, but let's read it together. Verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in my Savior, for he has looked upon my humble estate for his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will be called blessed forever. And Mary remained with Elizabeth for three months and then returned home. There's so much in this passage. John Rootley he provides a helpful summary that would help us focus in on three key areas as we close for this morning. Three key areas that, that Mary knew. Three things that Mary knew about her baby boy. First, salvation had come. Second, injustice will be reversed. And third, God's promises were being fulfilled. Salvation had come and justice will be reversed. God's promises were being fulfilled. If you want to write those down as we kind of work through them, I'd encourage you just to use that in your worship and in your prayer this, this season as we remember. First, salvation had come. And how can Mary claim this? How can Mary say this? After all, Jesus isn't born yet the events of his death and resurrection, they're still years away. What might Mary be thinking? Even though Mary had not, even though Jesus had not yet been born, and the cross and the resurrection are still far in the future, Mary knows that God's plans are already in motion, and they already will be successful. Mary lives this life that's just, just like, God, God's got it. God, God has a plan. He's provided a plan. He will provide It's true faith on display. Salvation had come. Mary is saying that God's saving work is already in motion. Verse 46, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, from all generations will be blessed. First, salvation, Jesus has come, and he is in Mary's womb, and the world will soon realize who he is. Second, injustice will be reversed. Injustice will be reversed. 51, he, God, has shown strength, as we read, with his arms. He has scattered the proud and their thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away. We see in Isaiah chapter 2 in the Old Testament, it speaks of the day of the Lord. In verse 17, it states that the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. It's a reminder that no one else will be elevated or praised on that day. The Messiah Jesus will correct all wrongs and will have the final say as the final judge. And today we know Jesus' work on the cross is finished. But we eagerly await the day when all wrongs will be made right. We also have the privilege of participating in that work here on earth now. In the end, true justice will be established forever and injustice will be reversed, all because of Jesus' death, his life, death, and his resurrection. So, the first thing we can do is just just praise God. Salvation has come. Praise God. Injustice will be reversed. And the last thing that Mary knew about her baby boy is that God's covenant promises, his promises were being fulfilled. Verse 54, he had helped his servant Israel in the remembrance of his mercy, and he has spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Mary knew God's promises were being fulfilled. God's promises to his people are not forgotten, but will be fulfilled through the Messiah. It's a reminder for us today that on this side of the cross, that God is faithful to his promises and he never fails. What he says will come to pass. Mary finishes by praising God for his faithful remembrance. And today we live in tension. The wait is over, the hope is here, but it's not yet fully realized. It's just here, but not yet. Even when we think about salvation, it's here, but not yet. God is, has saved us, is saving us, and will save us. He saved us from the penalty of our sin from the past. There's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. He pays us. He, he um, saves us from the power of our sin. He's transforming us in the very present. And he one day will save us from the presence of our sin. The future, when everything will be made right and complete. We live in this tension. But we have to recognize God in the span of all that he's doing with his work. He has, he is, he will. He's faithful. God has saved us through Jesus and is saving us through Jesus. And so if you've been a Christian a lot of years or, or maybe you're, you're, you're new to Christianity, it's easy to lose heart. It's easy to be tired of waiting. But We must remember God's good gift and his goodness. Remember his son Jesus, the son of God who came to the world. And in closing, we get to see a picture of Mary's heart in Luke At the end, Luke provides a glimpse into Mary's thoughts after the shepherds arrive later in the story. It's a very familiar passage for for those who, who have read scripture and are familiar with it. Luke 2.19 says, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. While Mary didn't know everything that Jesus would accomplish or do, she trusted in God and treasured up his word and his son above all else, above all else. I believe that's what God is calling us to do this Christmas season and on into the new year and to live our lives treasuring up the things of God, being faithful and saying, I'm here to serve you. May it be done according to your will and live an adventurous life led by the Holy Spirit that honors God in what we do and to get this message out. Let's uh, let's pray together and continue to worship. Father, thank you so much uh, for this text. And uh, thank you so much just as we process through it. Lord, you spoke to Mary. Lord, you speak to us today. Lord, Mary gathers with Elizabeth to to praise you. Lord, we, we gather together today. Mary just worships you, Lord the things that are treasured up in her heart and her mind, Lord, they come out through her words and her deeds. And Lord, she just worships you. Lord, thank you so much that we're able to have your word, we're able to gather together, and we're able to go out and to uh, spread this good news to other people. Lord, as I said from the beginning, if there's anybody here that doesn't know your son Jesus, may they receive the free gift of salvation. Nothing that they earn, nothing they can do, it is a free gift. And sometimes that gift sounds too good to be true. And it is true. So thankful, Lord, for, for uh, your son, Jesus. Or if there's someone here today or conversation throughout the week that doesn't know your son, may we believe in him. May we receive, Lord, the gift that you offer so that we might become children of God. Lord, as it says in John chapter 1, verse 12. We thank you so much, Lord, for this opportunity to have our lives as, as so many of our, of our weeks are up and down. But Lord, the constant thing that we can always come back to, Lord, the constant thing that is always there is you. We thank you. We praise you. And we, sing, we continue to sing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.